Well, in life, there's nothing easier than starting something. I mean, it's easy to start stuff. It's easy to start a diet. It's easy to start exercising. It's easy to start a career. It's easy to start to break an addiction. It's, it's easy to start a relationship, a marriage, or a family, but it's not easy to keep doing those things, to build these things, to accomplish these things. It's not easy to stay on a diet, right? It's not easy to keep exercising, to build a successful career, and it's certainly not easy to overcome an addiction. It's not easy to develop the right kind of relationships, the right kind of marriage, and the right kind of family over the long haul. In fact, there comes a time in in this adventure we call life where we're going to hit the wall. Every single one of us. And that's when everything screeches to a halt when, when it comes to being easy. What we have to do then is we have to realize that it's at the wall. It's when things get tough, when things get difficult, when we feel like quitting. That's where we're going to win or lose eventually. It's at the wall that we're going to go forward or backward. It's at the wall we're going to build or destroy. And this is especially true in our relationship with God. Of course, when we hit the wall, it can all of a sudden feel like everything, everything is going wrong. I mean, everything's smooth, everything's good. It feels like God's present and, and the world is smiling on us. And then all of a sudden we hit the wall and everything feels like it's going wrong. But here's what we need to understand. When we hit the wall, everything's not going wrong. The truth we need to understand this weekend is that God uses the wall to advance us on our journey, to move us forward. And this has always been true and always will be true. God uses the wall. Look at the life of David. He wrote a lot of the Psalms, which are like songs and poems in the Old Testament. And in one, Psalm 40, it It describes this reality very well. Look what he says. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit and out of the mud and mire. Where was he? At the wall, in the mud, in the mire. And then he says, but from there, God set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many, O Lord, my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you planned for us. No one can recount to you. Were I to speak and tell them, they would be too many to declare. Wonders you've brought in my life. And where did those wonders come from? The wall, the slimy pit, when he was mired down in the mud. But we have to understand that though God uses the wall to advance us, I mean, that's really his ultimate purpose, to advance us, to move us forward, to help us to grow at the wall. The wall can also become our worst enemy. The wall can get us off track. The wall can cause us to quit. The wall can destroy us if we don't respond properly to it, if we make the wrong, make the wrong choices. So here's the question for this weekend as we bring this series, The Wall, in for a landing and for a collusion. A conclusion. What, what does it take to ultimately experience God's best at the wall? What does it take? What does it take to make the right choices at the wall, to continue advancing at the wall, to move forward from the wall? 
Well, God's given us some principles. And here's the first one. If we're really going to keep moving forward and, and build instead of destroy when we hit the wall, then we have to understand that God's ways are not our ways. God's ways are not our ways. In fact, God's ways aren't even close to our ways. To be honest, from our vantage point, they don't even make sense. I mean, when I look at David's life, I don't think, I know how I can get him to solid footing. I know how I can get him on a solid foundation, on some rock. I need to throw him in some mud. That's the way to do it. That's not, it doesn't even make sense. I mean, the way to a rock isn't through the mud, through a miry pit. The way to a rock is to climb up a mountain and get to a summit or something, but that's not how God did it in David's life. That's not how God's going to do it in our life because, get this, God's ways are not our ways. And until we understand this, we will never be able to experience the benefit from the wall that God intends for us. Look at Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9. God declares it right out. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And so he, in the life of David, he used the slimy pit and the mud and the mire to set his feet on the rock, to give him to a place where he could stand. God's ways are not our ways. In the life of Joseph, we've been talking about Joseph in this series a little bit. He was a guy betrayed by his brothers and then sold into slavery by his family, and then as a slave he still remained faithful to God but then the slave owner betrayed him based upon a false accusation and threw him in prison and there he was forgotten and forsaken but he still was faithful to God and and ultimately God gave him a breakthrough but for Joseph's life God's way up was down now tell me that makes sense for Joseph's life the way that way he experienced God's best was by experiencing Life getting worse and worse and worse. In fact, the more hopeless, impossible his circumstances became, the closer he was to his dream. The further he went down the mountain, the closer he was to the summit of the mountain. Now, that just doesn't even make sense because God's ways are not our ways. The same thing happened in Moses' life. Moses, who became the great leader of Israel, became great through the dismantling of his life. God, through the dismantling of Moses' life, prepared and enabled him for greatness. He literally had to go in the wrong direction to get to the right place. Now, you might want to stop right here and take time to tweet that. He had to go in the wrong direction to get to the right place. He, think about it. He went from Pharaoh's palace to the desert... Which doesn't make sense because he was supposed to be delivering his people. And if you think, wouldn't it be in Pharaoh's palace that you could get the job done? Because wouldn't it be in Pharaoh's palace where you had the power, the prosperity, the influence, the tools, the equipment, the opportunity, the potential? Yeah, there he was, right there in Pharaoh's household. He can do it. Wrong. He couldn't do it until God took him as far away from Pharaoh's palace as possible. Because God's ways are not our ways. In each of these cases, no matter what these guys did, the wall that they had hit kept getting higher and higher and thicker and thicker. It was like 
they were getting further and further away from the possibility of deliverance. It's when, it's when ultimately they knew the wall was impenetrable. That's when the breakthrough happened. God's ways are not our ways. When the world was at its darkest for these men, when the clock struck midnight, that's when God brought the sunrise. Now, when it made the most amount of sense for them to give up, I mean, each of these stories I read and go, you know, really, guys, you know it's done, right? It's kind of like I was doing watching the Packers play Seattle last week. Over. And then God blessed us with another Packer loss. Wasn't that awesome? Seriously. Uh, Okay, three people. Really? Football? Thank you very, very much. But there's a point. When it seems life's at its bleakest with God, it seems like it's not going to happen, it's impossible, that's when he causes it to happen. That's why we should never give up at the wall, but we will give up at the wall. We will never make the right choices at the wall until we understand God's ways are not our ways. Until we accept this truth, the walls we face are going to beat us. We're going to make the wrong choices. We're going to allow them to destroy us. We need to remember God's ways are not our ways. And when we do, then we have a chance at the wall. But that's not the only principle. God's given us another principle. If we're going to keep moving forward when we hit the wall, if we're going to be advancing instead of retreating at the wall, then we have to understand God's promise. We have to understand it. We have to come to grips with it. We can't forget it. You see, we have to understand that God has promised that he will never fail us. He cannot lie, unlike human beings. In the end, he's promised he will always prosper us. He will always advance us. He'll always move us forward. He'll always grow us. He'll always strengthen us. He'll always make us better if we don't give up. Look at how he says it in Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we, what's that word? Will. The coffee drinkers just answered me, and I really appreciate that. At the proper time, we will reap a harvest, experience God's blessing, his advancement in our life, his growth, his development of us, his movement, his leadership, his guidance. We will reap a harvest if we do not give up. If we're going to move forward when we hit the wall, which is not our normal reaction, then we have to, at the wall, remember, God's ways are not my ways. I wouldn't have put this wall here. I wouldn't have thrown me in a miry pit. I wouldn't have created this disaster. I wouldn't have created this roadblock. I wouldn't have done that. But that's okay. God's ways are not my ways. And I have proven to myself over the decades that my ways stink. Haven't you proved that you can blow it from any angle, in any moment, at any opportunity, at any time? Haven't you proven that? And if you're sitting there saying, no, I don't think so, look at the person next to you and ask them. Our ways are far from perfect. Our ways are messed up. Thank God his ways are not our ways. And so when you hit the wall and you go, this doesn't feel right. I wouldn't have put it here. Then you need to say, God's ways are not my ways. And then you need to remember, and God has made me a promise. He'll never fail me. He's always trying to advance me. He's trying to move me forward. And so even though I wouldn't have put this wall here, his ways are not my ways. And He will never fail me, so this is not a failure. This is his leadership. 
you want to go forward at the wall in advance, then you've got to start understanding these things. But there's another principle. And this is when it starts coming to an, our arena. Because the truth is, God's ways are not our ways. His ways are perfect. The truth is, he's promised he'll never fail us. He'll always advance us. No matter what's going on and how it feels, he's trying to advance us. But then it comes into our arena where we get to influence the outcome. Because it all boils down to this. God can do everything right and he always does. We mess it up when we don't fulfill our responsibility, when we make our bad choices. And this is what we tend to do at the wall by forgetting who he is and what he's promised. The third principle is this. If we're going to experience God's best, even when we hit the wall, then we must understand our responsibility. We have a responsibility. And our responsibility is simply this. We must remain faithful. We must remain steadfast. We can't give up on God or ourselves. We can't let go of hope. We can't stop trusting. Now, as you know, there are a lot of verses in the Bible. There are a lot of passages in the Bible. And I have a bunch of favorites, a bunch of things that, that just mean so much to me in the Bible. But there's one verse that I have literally made my life's verse and it's 1 Corinthians 15, 58. When I sign my name, often I'm also writing in that passage. Or if I print cards that I'm going to be sending out, that passage is on there. And the reason is simple. Because when I hit the wall, I have a tendency to forget that God's ways are not my ways. And I start thinking he's failing. And I tend to forget that he's promised that nothing he allows into my life is to defeat me. But it's always to advance me. I tend to forget that. And as a result, I tend to fail to live up to my responsibility, which is to be faithful. And so every day I want to live my life based upon the truth of this verse. It says, therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. That's not our nature. But we need to stand firm. Let nothing move you. That's not our nature. When the winds are blowing, when the, when the wall is growing, we tend to let it move us and deter us and detract us and stop us. But he says, don't do it. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Not because you feel like it, because you won't. But always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because here's what you can know. Your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Why? Because his ways are not our ways and his promise is to be faithful. We need to be faithful to experience it. Now, all of that being said, so far we've experienced the easy part of this talk. Because let's be honest, it's easy to say, remain faithful. It's easy to say, don't give up. I know the wall's tough. I know it hurts. I know it's difficult. Don't give up. Thanks for coming to church. See you later. Enjoy your meal. You know, that's, that's the easy part. But it's a lot easier to say, be faithful, than it's to be faithful, right? I mean, it's tough. So I want to give you, and this sound, it's going to sound bigger than reality. It's going to sound like I'm exaggerating, but I'm not. I want to give you the secret for doing the tough work of remaining faithful. I mean, it's not my secret. I didn't make it up, but, but God's given it to us, and it's a secret. I mean, he's, because most people don't know it. And so I'm going to literally declare the secret for remaining faithful. Are, are you ready? I mean, this is awesome, right? This is worth the price of the ticket to be here. Oh, you didn't pay anything. Okay, it is worth it then. I think this secret's going to surprise you. In fact, I think this secret's going to disappoint you. In fact, I think the minute I tell you what the secret for staying faithful is, you're going to go, oh, 
By the way, clean it up if you spit. All right. The secret is this. The Lord's Prayer. Yeah, look at that. You didn't stand up and applaud and go, Woo, we've got it now, ready to go. I mean, you just you, you kind of went, what? Those of you raised religiously are going, you mean that thing we learned in catechism or Sunday school, you know, our, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will. You, that thing, that hasn't helped me a bit, thank you very much, and I've thrown it down a lot. And then those of you who don't know, I say, if that's secret, that's weird. But I'm telling you, it is the secret to remaining faithful when you hit the wall. Just to remind you of what it says in Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. Jesus said, this then is how you should pray. By the way, this is how you should pray. But in order to, to pray right, you first have to do what? Pray. And at the wall, you won't pray to God in the right way. If you forget that his ways are not your ways. A lot of you go, he blew it. And you're not talking to him, you're yelling at him or something. And then if you forget his promise, you're not going to pray. You're thinking he's failing you, so you're going to fail him. But, but he says, when you pray, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And you're going, I don't get it. I mean, how is that the secret to staying faithful? Well, you see, in this prayer, Jesus has given us the secret for staying faithful, for advancing, for experiencing us, but it's not in the saying of these words. It's in the making of these principles, the reality of our lives. This is how David stayed faithful at the wall. This is how Joseph stayed faithful at the wall. This is how Moses stayed faithful at the wall. And it's the only way we'll ever stay faithful at the wall. So let's look at this prayer. You see, when we genuinely pray the Lord's Prayer, here, here's what we're doing. We're fulfilling our responsibility. We're choosing to remain faithful, and we're doing it by saying, no matter what I'm experiencing, God, I am going to acknowledge who you are. In the Lord's Prayer, it begins with us acknowledging who God is. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And this is a really important thing to acknowledge who God is when you hit the wall. Because if you don't acknowledge who God is, then what happens is all you're focusing on and all you see and all you're obsessing on and all you're focusing on is the wall itself. And you're going to go, this wall is disastrous. This wall is explosive. This wall is inhibiting. This wall is destructive. This wall is too big for me to handle. And you'll be right on every single count. And that's why, to be faithful, you have to go at the wall. God, I want to acknowledge who you are because you're bigger than this wall. You're my Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Do you know what you do when you say those words? When you really genuinely pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Here's what you're saying. God, you are the one who's in control. Up until I hit this wall, I thought I was in control. Doing a pretty good job in my life. Guess what? I wasn't in control. This wall's in control. This wall is preventing me and stopping me. But at that moment, you say, You are in control. And what have you just done? You've just bought yourself hope. 
Because God's bigger than any wall you'll ever face. And the reason we give up is because we have no hope. The reason we give up is because we think it's over. We can't do it. And all of that's right. But God can do it. And the minute you make him who he is in your life bigger than any wall, you get to make the right choice at that wall. God, you're the one that's in control. When you say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, and you're genuinely praying it, you're genuinely acting upon that, you're saying, God, you're the one who can do the impossible. And so here in the face of a wall that's impossible for me to deal with, I am acknowledging that you can do what I can't do. You can do the impossible. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You're saying, you, God, are the one who always provide where you guide. And because your ways are not my ways, and because you've promised, I know that you've allowed this wall to be here, and it's to advance me and not to defeat me. And I know since you've guided me here, you will provide for me here. You're acknowledging he's God and he provides and so you're not struggling anymore when you acknowledge that he is the father in heaven and you lift up his name. You're saying, God, you're the one whose timing is always perfect. Now I'm going to tell you, I have to be honest with what goes on in my soul. When I hit a wall, almost inevitably I say, ugh, it couldn't have come at a worse Murphy's Law. If it can go wrong, it will. And I'm like, my God, really? But when I say, Father, you're in heaven, you have a picture of the world that I don't have. Hallowed be your name, your God. What I'm saying is, in spite of how I feel, in spite of how it seems, your ways are not my ways. You've made a promise that you're being faithful, and here's what I know, God. Your timing is perfect perfect and so I stand at this wall faithful knowing you haven't blown it at all this is the secret to remaining faithful we're acknowledging who God is by saying our father in heaven hallowed be your name which means we're making a declaration God you are the one whose plans are perfect for me and I'm going to tell you I have to do this every time I hit a wall because when I hit a wall I feel like He has poor planning skills. Don't you? I mean, there have been times I said, God, really, if you need some help strategizing my life, really, just give me a call. But then I'm making myself bigger than him. And so when I hit the wall, I need to remember his ways are not my ways. He's faithful to his promise. He's not blowing it. In fact, because he's God, he's the one whose plans are always perfect. And whatever he's allowing me to experience, no matter how it feels, looks, or seems, it is ultimately perfect for me. And it's essential, if I'm going to remain faithful at the wall, that I remember that. Can I ask you a question? Have you been thanking God lately for his perfect plan in your life? Or have you maybe been, be honest, complaining just a little bit? Because God, when I was preparing this talk, said, these people need a little cheese with their wine. (laughs) No, he didn't say that. And I just proved I'm 80 years old and I'm about to use a walker. Okay, very good. Next one. When I say, God, you're the Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, I'm saying, God, you see everything. You're in heaven. You transcend the limits of my 
temporary moment and very finite sight. You see everything. What's happening to me right now is never lost on you. And somehow, God, what's happening to me fits into your wonderfully grand plan because your ways are not my ways, but you're always true to your promises. You're my Father in heaven. Hallowed be your name. And you know what's powerful about the Lord's Prayer? That's just the first sentence. It goes further. The Lord's Prayer is the secret to remaining faithful at the wall because it's at the wall. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we, we're saying, your kingdom come, your will be done. And the truth is, when I hit a wall, it's never my will. Thank you, God, for putting that roadblock there. Really appreciate it. It's exactly what I was hoping for today. Never is it my will. And so at that moment in time, I have to acknowledge my will doesn't matter because I'm not God. He is. Your kingdom come. Your will be none, not mine. Your ways are not my ways. What I have to do at the wall is I have to surrender to his will. And here's what the wall proves to me. I'm living for my will, not his. Because when the wall hits, it's disastrous and wrong, which means I was heading in the wrong way, heading on the wrong path. Are you seeing this at all? Are you all with me? Okay. Thank you. I just wondered. I guess the coffee must not have caffeine in it or something today because you're just... All right. I want you to know, if we don't surrender our will to God at the wall, we're going to get off track. We're going to quit. In my life, I have found that when it's my will that I'm living for, there's always a wall. But when it's his will I'm living for, there's always a way. How have you been seeing life these days? The Lord's Prayer is really the secret for remaining faithful at the wall because in the Lord's Prayer we say, give us this day our daily bread. And when we say that, what we're saying is, God, I'm looking to you for what I need. And if I don't look to him for what I need, then I'm ultimately going to compromise my integrity or take things into my own hands to get what I want and get by the wall but when I realize that he's the one that is going to provide my needs I don't have to compromise anything because even at the wall he can provide at the wall if I want to go forward and advance and remain faithful fulfill my responsibility then I have to I have to give myself to the Lord's prayer because in the Lord's prayer I I pray forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors and, and a lot of us go, wait, 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 wait. So at the wall, all of a sudden, you know, I have to pray a prayer of forgiveness. That's key to remaining faithful. Absolutely. Because listen to me. When we don't receive God's forgiveness, when we're living with some guilt and shame and some shadows of our own failures, when we hit the wall, do you know what we feel like? We feel like God is punishing us for our guilt and our mistakes and failures when he's not wanting to punish us he's wanting to guide and lead us but when we're not receiving his forgiveness and basking in his forgiveness which Jesus made possible we're going to think he's baseball batting us instead of shepherding us we'll respond wrong to him he'll become our adversary instead of our lord and our shepherd and if we don't forgive others as the Lord's prayer leads us to do then what's going to happen is we're going to respond at the wall 
with anger. And anger doesn't lead to the right choice of faithfulness. Anger always leads to the wrong choice. And let me just tell you, I have found in my life, it might be different in yours, I doubt it, but, but I have found in my life that the walls that I hit are never made out of cement, bricks, or mortar. The walls of my life are always made out of people. Have you noticed that? Heads here, arms here, people. You, you know, are my walls. And you face the same thing. And so when I hit a wall, I often feel like they're the problem. They're the enemy. They're in my way. And I can start welling up with some anger and bitterness. And then my choice is to do what? Not to be faithful to God, but to take things into my own hands and do the wrong thing. And so the secret to being faithful at the wall is the Lord's Prayer. God, I need your forgiveness because you're not, you're not punishing me. You're guiding me. And God, I, I need to forgive others so that I don't respond in bitterness. Here's a question for you. Have you been holding on to any bitterness in life these days? That's why you've been making the wrong choice at the wall. The Lord's Prayer is the secret because when we pray the Lord's Prayer at the wall, we're saying, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. What we're saying is, we trust you, God. I trust you to protect me. And if we don't trust him to protect us, do you know what we do? We start buying into the lie that he's deserted us. I need to say, God, lead me not into temptation. You know, deliver me from the evil one at the wall. So I'll remember, he's not the evil one. He's not tempting me. He's not trying to destroy me. He's my protector and it helps me respond right at the wall. And then finally, when we genuinely pray the Lord's Prayer, it's the secret to remaining faithful because when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we're making the choice to wait on the Lord. God, I'm not going to take this thing into my own hands and do my own thing. You're God, I'm not. You're in control, I'm not. And so I'm going to surrender to your will and I'm going to trust you to meet my needs and I'm going to trust you to provide for me and I'm going to trust you to forgive me and help me to forgive and I'm going to trust you to protect me and I'm going to, I'm going to like Joseph did, wait on you, faithfully waiting on you because then I know you'll break through the wall for me. Look at Isaiah 40, 31. Those who wait on the Lord renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The Lord's Prayer is the secret to remaining faithful. And then there's this one last principle. When you hit the wall, if you're going to keep advancing and keep growing and experience positives instead of negatives out of it, if you're going to experience God's best at the wall, you have to understand you can never forget the ultimate outcome. And this is big. You have to remember the ultimate outcome. You have to remember God's ways are not my ways. God's promise is that he'll be faithful. He's advancing me. And then we have to fulfill our responsibility, be faithful, truly live out the prayer of, of what the Lord gave us in the Lord's prayer. And then we have to remember the ultimate outcome. And I need to tell you what the ultimate outcome is. Ready? In the end, in the end, God always wins. Now, this is good stuff. In the end, he always wins. Always wins. Doesn't matter how big the wall is, how crazy the wall is, how strange the world is. In the end, God always wins. Which means, now think about this. In the end, those of us who remain faithful to God at the wall 
always win. But in the end, those of us who don't remain faithful to God at the wall always lose. And the sad reality is most of us lose a lot. And I know I do. And it all comes down to the fact that at the wall I forget his ways are not my ways, that he's made a promise and that I only have one responsibility and that's to remain faithful. And if I do, I'll win. When we understand these principles that I've just shared with you, then no matter how big, no matter how difficult, no matter how agonizing the wall, when we understand these principles, the choice is easy. The choice at the wall is easy. Never stop hoping. Never stop trusting. And never give up. And as a picture of this, just so you know, it really works in real life. It's not just from the pages of scripture. It's actually from the pages of real people's lives. I wanted to share Jessica's story with you. Her story paints the perfect picture of of how these principles in action really can get us through any wall, no matter how big. She's a young woman from our church, Northridge, and I've actually known her since she was a teenager, and I have to tell you, I'm so proud of her because she was brave enough to share her story. This is it. At my lowest point, I weighed 64 pounds. I'm not your typical story of a 15-year-old who looked in the mirror and saw an overweight girl and decided to starve herself in order to look like the magazine models. My battle with anorexia actually started when I was close to 30 and didn't look anything like the teenage disease I always thought it was. Originally, my goal was simply to get healthy. My husband and I were talking about potentially starting a family, and I wanted to be in good shape for the future. With even more motivation, my husband's band was nominated for a Grammy, so of course I wanted to look and feel good for that. Unfortunately, something much deeper was creeping beneath the surface. We had zero control over where we were going to be going. We didn't know where we'd be sleeping some nights or if we'd be able to get to the store to get shampoo that we needed. There was no stability. This was the one thing I could control. I would eat a tomato slice and I'd eat a piece of lettuce and say that that was it. And I would make sure that I was too busy to sit down and eat with everybody so that they couldn't completely see what I was doing. When people commented on how thin I was, it made me feel like I wasn't invisible. When I would sit down in front of a plate of food, I would just snap and lose my mind and start either sobbing or I'd get angry. And none of us had ever dealt with an eating disorder before. None of us had ever been near somebody who had. So no one knew what to do with me. It began to cause serious fights between my husband and me, and we had never been the arguing type. He would wake up at three in the morning and crawl on my bunk sobbing and put his ear to my chest and mouth to make sure I was still breathing. At some point, I started noticing that my heart wasn't beating right and my organs were hurting, but I just didn't see the connection. I was becoming weak and easily exhausted. The disorder made me a liar. I lied to myself and I lied to the ones closest to me. After much convincing, I suddenly found myself sitting in the offices of an eating disorder clinic in Nashville for an evaluation. I felt like like I was an imposter. Like I wasn't really anorexic, it was just this weird fluke thing and I was gonna be the exception to the rule and I was gonna get out of there and be better and have a kid and be totally fine. 
To my shock, I was informed I was too sick and underweight to be admitted to their eating disorder program. On top of that, they recommended that I shouldn't even chance getting on a plane to fly home, as I was too unstable and could go into cardiac arrest with the pressure change. The nurse at the hospital even told me some of these girls have been struggling with an eating disorder for two decades, but they're surviving. And she said, your organs have already started shutting down and you've only dealt with it for like a year, two years. So if you end up back in here, you're probably just going to end up dead. I ended up in the psych ward at Beaumont Hospital for six weeks, and it was painful and terrifying. In your right mind, it seemed so simple to just eat and get better. Somebody give that girl a sandwich I used to say about girls I would see with an eating disorder. When I was released from the hospital, I wanted to be whole again, but found myself still believing that I could have it both ways. I obsessed about amounts and portion sizes and spent hours creating daily charts on index cards to record what I was eating. And little by little, I found myself leaving more and more on my plate, the disease was controlling me more than ever. I would go to Target daily to weigh myself since I wasn't allowed to have a scale. When I would get to my apartment, I could barely will my legs to get out of the car. On Christmas Eve of 2011, we went to my parents for dinner. Justin and I had a huge fight in the car about the fact that I wasn't going to eat what was served. When we got home that night, we both sat in bed crying, and Justin said he was going to pray over me. He prayed that night, saying, Tomorrow we celebrate Jesus' birth. And we just beg you for it to be the day of Jessica's rebirth. Over the next few months, I found myself gaining weight and pushing through. It was an ugly back and forth fight between my desire to turn everything over to God 100% and the disease that was still in my head. I started to believe I didn't even want to have a family. Maybe it was for the best that I had damaged my body and might not be able to carry a baby. One year and three months into my recovery, I shockingly and randomly found out that I was pregnant. I was so scared he was going to have all sorts of problems. To be able to physically have had a child at all is unreal after what I went through. He came out and it was completely perfect and he's healthy and he's beautiful and he's funny. I adore him. I love him. God surprised me with the most beautiful gift and it's changed me. He knew the whole time how this would turn out. And now I have a beautiful little boy that I need to make better choices for. He knew that I would look at Solomon and feel such love for him that I would suddenly understand how he sees me and loves me. The fact that I'm alive, that I somehow am one of the very small percentage of people that can claim recovery from such an awful disease, that I have this beautiful boy next to me is all a miracle only possible from the only one who gives life. The one who weeps with us through the pain and celebrates with us as the wall falls and we begin to move forward. Even when I didn't believe that God was going to pull me through it, he still did it. God is who he says he is. God can do what he says he can do. I am who God says I am. I couldn't have done it on my own. Truly, it was God just redeeming me, nothing else. At the beginning of this talk, I shared David's story as he shared it so beautifully in Psalm 40. And what I want you to see is that David's story fits Jessica's story. I mean, listen to his words again in relation to her experience. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and, and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. 
Many, O oh Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you planned for us. No one can recount to you were I to speak and tell of them. They would be too many to declare. David's psalm doesn't just fit his story and Jessica's story. It, it fits our story. Because we're all going to hit a wall. And it's at the wall that God ultimately starts accomplishing his plans to bring wonder into our lives and beauty into our lives and to advance us. But it's at the wall we usually make the wrong decision. At the wall, he's faithful. His ways are not our ways. He will fulfill his promise. At the wall, he has wonders planned for us, but it's there at the wall when we feel like quitting, when we feel like giving up, when it feels like the wall's far too big and thick for us, it's at that wall that we may need to make the choice to be faithful. We need to wait on him. We need to trust him. If you're a believer here, you're already a follower of Jesus, you need to know very often, though we have at our access the power of the great God who's in control and always able, who always provides where he guides, whose timing is perfect, whose plans are perfect, who sees everything. What happens is we usually lose him because we're too focused on the wall. And what we need to do is we need to just decide to be steadfast, unmovable, and to remain faithful. To give ourselves genuinely to the Lord's prayer so that we can then wait on him to do his work. And when we do, no matter what the wall is like, we will on the other side with David say, wow, that was a slimy pit. That was a muddy mire. That was an unbelievable wall. Like Jessica saying, you know what? I just felt like maybe I should give up. But then we see the wonder of God. Wait on him. Remain steadfast. But some who are here, you've never yet experienced him. It takes that first step, like any relationship, where you open your life to him and you put your trust in him. And the truth is, the biggest wall any of us will ever face is the wall of our own guilt and our own sin and our own failures. We can't get past him on our own. But Jesus died to take him away. And all you have to do surrender to him so before we move into worship I'm going to ask if you would just bow with me in a word of prayer and all of us have something to pray about but if you're here and you're ready to take that first step to trust the Lord I'm going to encourage you to take my words but make them yours and in your heart you don't have to say it out loud just ask God to save you just say God I'm at the wall guilty I failed, I've sinned against you, but right now I'm turning to you. I'm, I'm trusting, Jesus, what you did when you died on the cross for my sin. Forgive me, and I'm trusting your resurrection to give me new life. Please, God, save me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you just prayed with me before we move into worship, I, I can't encourage you enough please let us know and the reason is look at just because you've put your faith in Christ and experienced that forgiveness doesn't mean life no longer has walls 
And I've had to learn how to grow in my relationship with God. I've had to struggle with it. And you too are going to experience the same thing. So why not allow us to help you to grow, to learn things you can't learn on your own? We've put together some information about next steps you can take in your journey of faith. So if you just prayed with me, we want to get it to you. And all you have to do, if you're in one of our services, we give you these programs. Is There's a connection card inside. It's a perforated card. You just take it out, fill it out, check the bottom thing that says you prayed with me, and then put it in one of the boxes at every one of our exits as you leave there, there, and we'll do the rest. And if you're watching online, hit the What Next button. We'll do the same for you. Let us come alongside and help you know how to experience God even at the wall. We have new starting point groups coming. We have a great baptism event that's coming in the future and if you want to take these steps you can go in the lobby and there are people available to talk to you about that or you can check it out online here's what we need to do at the end of the series we need to realize no matter where we're at it's time to celebrate did you know God's no different when you're on the mountaintop than when you're in the valley did you know that God's no different when you've got clear sailing or you're at the wall he's God And there are all kinds of reasons to celebrate him. And when you celebrate him at the wall, what you're declaring is, God, you're bigger than the wall, and I'm thankful, and I'll remain faithful. And that's your decision. You experience God and life at its best. What an awesome thing. Would you stand with us as we worship?